Amen. You can be seated. We're so glad you've joined us today here on this Sunday before we uh, remember Christmas on uh, the, birth, the birth of our Lord Jesus. And so this morning, if you're visiting with us today, we want to especially welcome you. I know I've already met some family and other friends and so forth that are visiting with family. And so we're so glad to have you here today. We would invite you to fill out one of our visitor's cards, our commitment connection cards that's in your bulletins if you receive one. And we hope you'll do that before you leave. You can write down a prayer request or give us some information. We'd love to have that. Also... In just a moment, Lydia, Lydia Frills is going to come and read Scripture for us. Lydia, you come on up here. We can borrow a microphone from you guys. All right. And as she's coming, uh, hopefully you had a chance to stop by and have breakfast this morning. I forgot to just acknowledge that wonderful breakfast. And uh, Brent and Kim Weir and all those that helped them, we had a great time of fellowship this morning. So let's just show our appreciation to them for a few moments this morning. Thanks so much for doing that. And uh, if you were back in the activity center, you might have noticed that we had some new uh, carpet tiles laid down. So that's all been fixed up. Some folks that's donated money for that. So that looks so nice this morning. Well, right now, uh, Lydia's going to pray. But after she prays, our ushers will come for this morning's offering. And we are having children's church this morning for those who would like to go. So children, you can be dismissed for children's church uh, following this prayer. And our ushers will come for this morning's offering. All right, let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, thank you for being good. Please help Vicki in the orphanage in Kenya. Please help them to have what they need and that they will know why Jesus came. Please help us to glorify you and to remember the meaning of Christmas. We pray for the people to know about Jesus. Help Daddy preach gospel in Jesus' name.
got some wonderful talent girls. Great job this morning. Amen, church. And uh, we have some uh, more treat, another treat for you this morning. The Smith, some of the Smith family are going to come and sing for us. Uh, a couple of years ago, I noticed they something been posted on Facebook, Facebook, them singing together at home. And so I tracked them down a couple of weeks ago and said, you all need to come and sing for us at church sometime. So we're looking forward to this. God tell it on the mountain, over the hills and me. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 1. 
Luke chapter 1, you'll find a Bible underneath the chair you're sitting in or close to you if you didn't bring one with you today. But Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 39, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor God in reading His Word together this morning. Luke chapter 1, I'll begin reading at verse 39. Those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed. There would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His offspring forever. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank You that we can meet here on this first day of the week to remember that Jesus has come, and that He's lived this sinless and perfect life, and went to the cross on our behalf as a substitute for us, and is coming back. So we say, O come, Emmanuel, come. Come to the world in which... We deal with uh, wickedness and depravity in a world in which we live and government shutdowns and, and inconsistencies in our world and uncertainties abound in our own lives. Come, Lord Jesus, again. But we thank You that You've come the first time. We thank You, Lord, that because He has come, that the worst thing that can happen to those that believe in Jesus, it's not going to happen. Because Jesus took care of it on the cross. So Father, remind us of this great truth. And may our souls join with your servant Mary to magnify the Lord. Speak to us now and stir our hearts in these great truths. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I love to preach. And I love to preach. One of the reasons I love to preach is because when I... God called me to preach when I was 21, almost 21, I guess. And uh, I love to preach because I get to rejoice in what I'm seeing in the Word. I mean, you can, you can, you can get up and talk about things that are true and in, a, in a lecture kind of way, and I certainly can fall into that. But, but to really preach is to have studied something in the Word of God and know what God has said and your heart be affected by it. And I love to preach because I get to get up here and I get to, I get to rejoice over what I've been rejoicing in in my study during the week. 
My, my soul magnifies the Lord often during my study, and that's what the, the great aim in preaching is for me to preach in such a way, which I often fall short, but to preach in such a way that you might not only see what it means, which is so important to see what it means, amen, but that you might see what it means and you might love it. You not just hear it, but you see it and you feel it. You rejoice in it and your life's changed by it. Now I say this because Mary's soul is magnifying the Lord. Her soul is magnifying the Lord. And her soul is magnifying the Lord in the midst of much uncertainty for her because she's been told she's going to give birth to the baby Jesus. The Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, the Sovereign King. And it's not going to happen by natural means, but of course, as a virgin, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. and She will conceive by the Holy Spirit. And her question, despite the questions that she might have, how will I be protected from those who don't understand this? What might Joseph say? The question that she asks is, how will this be since I am a virgin? Verse 34. Her question is not, how am I going to be protected? But God, okay, if this is true, then how is this going to come about? Which speaks a lot to her faith. In fact, we see in verse 38, Mary says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be, to me, let it be done to me according to your word. She acts upon what God has said. And so she believes what God has said. She walks into the home of Elizabeth, who the angel has said, You know, Elizabeth... She's your relative. She's not been able to have a baby. She's, she's up in years, beyond childbearing years. But right now, Elizabeth, Mary, she's in her sixth month expecting. Mary didn't know this. So what we see in the words I just read here a few moments ago is Mary steps out in faith. She steps into the home of Elizabeth. And without Elizabeth and Mary even saying a word to each other about the babies in their wombs, Elizabeth just begins to speak because if you notice in your Bible, she's under the control of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41 says she is filled with the Holy Spirit. That means she's under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit, and the child inside her leaps. Now, for those of you ladies who might feel uh, when you've been expecting a, a child in your womb to, to move, you might be concerned. But you, at the very least, you would not conclude that the baby is leaping for joy, but Mary, but Elizabeth, under the control of the Holy Spirit, feels the baby move and concludes, not because of natural knowledge, but because of the influence of the Holy Spirit, being under the control of the Holy Spirit, that this baby has leaped for joy. Because the person that just walked into my room is the mother, she says, the mother of my Lord. Look at verse thirty. Excuse me, look at verse 43. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So what happens is this. Mary walks into this home of Zechariah and Elizabeth and what she receives is strong affirmation that what the Lord has said He's going to do, He's going to do. Now I'd like to be able to tell you that that's always the way it is. That when we know what God has said, that we're going to step out in faith and God's going to strongly affirm that as we go along. And sometimes He does. Sometimes shepherds show up out of the blue. Sometimes God does amazing things to affirm what's going on in our life. And God would do that in Mary's life. Three days later when He rises again, He strongly affirms her faith. And then there's times when we're just, we're just stepping out 
God, we know what God has said. It seems crazy. We don't know how it's going to happen exactly, but God said He's going to do it. And we don't know how Joseph's going to respond. We don't know that three wise men are going to show up later on and, and give strong affirmation. We don't know where the affirmation is going to come from. We're just, we're just kind of going along because we know this is what God says to do. And like George Raber often says, all we know is because God said it, it's going to be okay. Right, George? It's going to be okay. Now, Mary has stepped in the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. She's received this strong affirmation. And because of that, she does what we see in verse 46. Look at it. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Her soul with her very being, she's magnifying God. She's rejoicing in God. Despite uncertainties, besides, besides the what seems impossible in the eyes of men, she's believing God. She's believing what He said by grace. And she's rejoicing and magnifying God. What I want to remind us of this morning is that Jesus came into this world so that we might magnify God, that our souls might magnify God. And folks, that's a peculiar grace, isn't it? That our souls would magnify God? Because what, what do our souls, what do we naturally want to magnify? Ourselves. Correct? And so it is an act of God's amazing grace that anyone would magnify Him. But that's what Mary's doing here. That's the aim in preaching and, and or teaching the Sunday school class for that matter. The aim is not to just have this knowledge, but to so that our souls, by the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, might no longer magnify self, but be and, and, and just be concerned about what all the loneliness we're experiencing at this time of Christmas or the hecticness or the or just the fact we'd like it just to be over with for some of us. But in the midst of all those circumstances, those uncertainties, whatever it might be, that the Holy Spirit might supernaturally work in us in such a way because of what God has said and promised in Jesus Christ that we might join with Mary and we might magnify, our souls might miraculously magnify God. Now, that's not normal to magnify God whom we have not seen. But that's the aim. That's the aim of this, in this passage of Scripture of what God's doing in her heart not only that Mary might magnify God, but that through the birth of her son Jesus, that all men who would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord might magnify the living God and know the joy of knowing Him. So we know the words of the familiar hymn this time of year. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night of the Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. Amen? That's, that's what we want. For our soul to feel its worth because of God's grace. So maybe, maybe you're just having a real good time this morning seeing family and friends in this time of year and maybe it's just the polar opposite for you. I don't know. I know... Anytime we face any kind of holiday, it's probably especially this one, there's mixed emotions represented in this congregation. But I, my prayer is, is that our souls would magnify God at all times. 
So let me share two things from this passage of Scripture that will help us magnify God and know how our souls can magnify God. Number one, your soul will magnify God when you're in awe of God's grace. Your soul's going to magnify God when you're in awe of God's grace. Now, isn't that what's happening for Mary here? Isn't she in awe of the grace of God and being chosen to be the mother of the Lord? You notice earlier in the passage of Scripture, three times Mary has been told by Elizabeth that she's blessed. Look at your Bible. Are you looking at your Bible? If we look back in the verses, it says... Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Verse 41, Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And verse 45, and blessed, verse 45, is she who believed. Three different times in relation to Mary or the baby in her womb, she's called blessed. Now why is it that Mary is blessed? Well, if you keep looking back in those verses again, you'll notice even earlier in the passage of Scripture, actually looking back all the way to verse 28, when the angel Gabriel comes, look at your Bible in verse 28. He came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Greetings, O favored one. Then look in verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. Why is it that Mary has been blessed, blessed, blessed? Because she has found favor. She is highly favored. And that word literally means grace. She's found grace. Mary has not merited or earned this privilege of giving birth to the Lord Jesus. She's blessed to give birth to Jesus because of God's grace. And so what she's doing is here, is she begins to magnify God, and her, her soul rejoices in God, her Savior. She's doing so, first of all, because she's in awe of God's grace. Your soul's going to magnify God when you are in awe of God's grace. So how, how, can, how can you be in awe of God's grace? Just be astounded by His grace so that your soul would magnify God. Well, I think one of the ways is, is when we consider our lowly status before God. Isn't that what Mary does? You know, last Sunday night, uh, one of the, our church members wanted to sing a song before the church started, <laughs> before the service started. So Jerry Newkirk came up here and started singing uh, that old song, Davy Crockett. Davy, Davy Crockett. But he changed the words a little bit. Stephen, Stephen Frills. And uh, I didn't know what to say about that. Still don't know, I guess. <laughs> but it was actually an act of love. And I appreciated it, Jerry. I really did. I was thinking this morning when I was praying about just about myself. Who am I? I'm just going to stand up here and preach this morning. And I'm just this guy like Davy Crockett <laughs> from East Tennessee. I never thought I'd be living in southern Illinois preaching in front of this wonderful congregation in this wonderful town. Who am I? And I think of my sin and my imperfections and my falling short so much. Yet God chose me and called me to that. When Mary 
thinks about this with her. Look at verse, she thinks of the same way, similar way. Verse 48. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And you notice the first word of verse 48. Are you looking at your Bible? What's the first word of verse 48? F-O-R. For. She's going to say, This is why, for, this is why my soul rejoices. For, verse 48, He's looked on the humble estate of His servant. He's looked on me. Who am I? Mary's not saying... it's. It, it just makes sense that God would choose me to be the mother of Jesus, right? No. He has looked on me. He's looked on the humble estate of His servant. Who am I? And when she considers that God and His grace would choose to work through her in this way, her soul magnifies. She's in awe of the grace of God. So she says later, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. They're not going to call her blessed uh, because of who she is, but because of God's grace to her. So I think one of the ways that we'll magnify God's grace more often is when we can just kind of reflect a little bit on how good God's been to us and how gracious He's been to us. Reflect upon our lowly status. Reflect upon the fact that we've sinned against God. Even now, still... And yet God has been merciful to us. How else can we be in awe of God's grace? I was driving down the road Wednesday. I was going towards Princeton. And it was just about the time when the sun's coming up high enough where you know, you're driving towards Princeton and it's blinding. You just can't see anything. Putting sunglasses on, still hardly can't see anything. you know. And I was driving towards Princeton and the sun was coming, just shining like that. It's just so beautiful. And I thought of that Psalm 19 says His glory is displayed in the heavens. The sun comes out of its, of its chamber like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber. The sun's set like that from one end of the circuit to the other. I thought, He is mighty. He is great. Look at what He has done. That's the sun over there. You know, we take for granted all the time. I think another way that we uh, are in awe of God's grace is to consider that the one who's been gracious to us is mighty. What does Mary say in verse 49? For, here's another reason, for he who is mighty has done great things. He who is mighty has done great things. This is the Creator who has done great things. Oh, Lord, my God, when I an awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. Y'all sing with me. I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then... Sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art. How great Thou art. You see, 
just thinking about who He is. That's why when we come to church, <laughs> we ought to be thinking about Him. Right? We ought to be singing about Him. That's why when we're in the Word and our devotion time, we ought to, you know, let's, let's see what it says about Him. How great He is. And when I think about how great He is and how gracious He is to me, then sinks my soul. My soul magnifies God. Then sinks my soul. How great thou art. That's what Mary's doing here. He who is mighty has done great things. But not only has he who is mighty done great things, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Isn't that something? He who is mighty has done great things for me. How will our souls magnify God and be in awe of God's grace? Well, one of the ways it might be is to do what these Smith kids are up here doing a while ago. I say kids, but they're not necessarily kids no more, but young adults. Um, go tell it on the mountain. And go and talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and see them reject the truth that you cherish and that you love and that you believe. But they don't understand. Some of your lost friends don't understand. You've witnessed to some of your relatives at Christmas time. You'll see them again, right? You've talked to them. You pray for them. You've pleaded with them. But still, those friends at school, they've still not come to Christ. And Mary says, He who is mighty has done great things for me. I believe she's thinking, Why me? Why has he done this for me? Why would he call me? Why would he choose me? And I think we're going to be in awe of God's grace when we really consider the fact that it is an absolute miracle that I believe. It's an absolute miracle that I'm following Jesus. Why me? I'm in awe of the grace of God that I'm a Christian, that I do love Jesus. And what nurtures that in my heart, folks, is this. If you, want this. if you want this magnifying of God and being in awe of God's grace to be nurtured in your heart, then share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with other people. Talk to people about Jesus and see their responses, especially when they reject it and don't want it or still thinking about it, knowing they may go to hell right at that moment. And remember, that could be you. But it's not. God's, God's caused me to be born again. He's done this miracle in me. Why me, Lord? I don't understand. Thank you. My soul magnifies you. Right? Share the gospel if you want to magnify the grace of God. And lastly, with this, your soul is going to magnify God when you're in awe of God's grace. How is it going to happen? I believe it's going to happen when you worship with other believers like we're doing this morning. Um, Mary, when she went to see Elizabeth... Elizabeth was another believer. You noticed in verse 43 when, when Elizabeth realized who, that what was going on by the influence of the Holy Spirit, she says, who am I? You know, basically, why is this granted to me, verse 43, to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She says she believes that this is the Lord in Mary's womb. And along with Elizabeth, she begins to magnify God. Because of Elizabeth meeting with another believer, she's magnifying God. So that's somewhat of a stretch in application, but it does remind me of this. When I meet with other people who believe that Jesus is Lord, it leads me to magnify God. That means I need to be coming to church. <laughs> 
I need to be with other believers where the Word of God is being preached and sang and taught so that my soul will magnify God. Otherwise, I want to be a pretty, a pretty spiritually parched person if, uh, if I neglect to be with other believers. Where I can be reminded like we sung this morning, a wonderful hymn, I once was lost in darkness. Do you all get this hymn? We, we sung this as a family last night to prepare for worship today. We sent out those emails every week. Sir. We were singing it with the kids last night, and they were just kind of watching the words. And, and my kind of silent prayer during that time is, God, I, I want my kids, when they sing these words, for their soul to magnify in it. Not just mouth the words, but when they're singing it, to, to, to get it. That's what I desire for this congregation, that when we, we hear these great truths and we sing these great truths, that we're not just mouthing words. We're not just listening to words. Wah, wah, wah. We are magnifying God. Our souls are magnifying God. We get it. God has done something in us. We're meeting with other believers who, who understand this. It's being exalted in together. And so we get it. I once was lost in darkness not, yet thought I knew the way. The sin that promised joy and life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. And if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the cost, does this sound familiar from Mary's hymn? You looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. May not have what I want at work. May not what I have, what I have right now at home. When there's somebody that's not going to be there anymore that used to be. I may not have financial prosperity. I may not have this. But Jesus is my life. Hallelujah. That's not going away. That's, that's how my soul is going to magnify God. So I, I must nurture that by being with other believers to rejoice and sing and praise what God has done for me in Christ. So moving on. Your soul will magnify God when you're in awe of God's grace. And finally, your soul will magnify God. Secondly, when you're assured of God's mercy. You see this in verse 50. What does Mary say? His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. So yesterday, my kids uh, were calling me, making fun of my nose, saying it's long and calling me the long-nosed rifle. <laughs> One of them came up to me and goes, <coughs> like he's cocking the rifle at me and pointing his nose. So I said, I'll get you. He said, no, you won't. You're too slow. You're a turtle. Well, the turtle caught the hare and got him down. And he's grinning from ear to ear up here, ain't he? <laughs> and he went from long-nosed daddy to turtle to, Daddy, you're the best daddy in a whole wide world. <laughs> now, he was assured, because I'm his daddy, he would receive mercy. That's why he could tease me in such a way and know there's a certain line where you can tease and not in our family. It may work differently for you. In your families, we have a father, a perfect father in heaven that created us. Beyond all understanding, 
chooses to assure His people that He'll be merciful to them. That they can count on one thing. He's not going to change. And He promised to be merciful to them and He will be. Now let's look at that in the text. A couple of things about it. God's God promises to always be merciful to all those who fear Him. And I want you to see that in your Bible in verse 50. Look at what Mary says in the song. His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. From generation to generation. What's that mean? It means always. No matter what generation comes. Every generation in which there are people who fear the Lord, God's going to be merciful to those people. In other words, what's it mean to fear the Lord? It means to recognize that He is the Lord, and I'm not, and I need to turn to Him and trust in His means of salvation and walk in His ways and follow Him. Those repentant believers are those He will always be merciful to. And so Mary recalls this and recalls how God's promised this to Israel. Those who are proud, who who are self Reliance, feel self-sufficient, they don't fear God, are going to be brought low. Look at verse 51. He's shown strength with His arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. You think you don't need God? You don't fear God? You're going to be your own king of your own little kingdom? God says, I'm going to bring you low. Verse 52, He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich He sent away empty. This is God's way. It's God's way to do great things with those who see their need of Him. And it's God's way to do away with those who think they're great. For those who are humble of heart, God does a great merciful work. And the humbleness that we need to exude is a humility before God that admits that we've sinned against God and we need His salvation in Jesus What we're assured of here, folks, is all those that fear the Lord are going to receive mercy. All those that fear the Lord, trust in this Lord, in the Lord Jesus Christ, are assured of mercy. My soul is going to magnify the Lord when I'm assured of mercy. And I can be assured of this, that if I've trusted in what God's done for me in Jesus, I'm assured of mercy. God will keep His promises to be merciful to His people, too. He doesn't just say it. He keeps His promise. Look at verse 54. He's helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. He promised to be merciful to Israel, to those that fear Him, right? Because not all Israel is Israel. Verse 55, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. God promised He'd be merciful. It's taking in all the things that God had promised in, in fulfilling His promises to His people through the Messiah that would come, Jesus. So what does Mary mean In verse 54, when she says, He's helped His servant Israel, past tense. He's helped His servant Israel. She could be reflecting on His past actions with Israel. But I believe most importantly, she's reflecting on what God is doing right now, that God has sent the Messiah, and she bears the Messiah in her womb. And she's saying, God has helped His servant Israel. God has sent Jesus. Last night I was talking to my little girl, Lydia. and We were talking, weren't we, Lydia? And... uh, I was telling her how much I loved her, and I, because I do. And I said, Lydia, I said, you know, Jesus loves you a whole much more than Daddy, don't he? She said, yeah, Jesus loves me more. I said, do you know why? Because he died for you. She knows that. And 
And uh, I said, Lydia, I would die for you too. I would die for you. But you know why that won't work? And she said, well, because he already did. And I said, that's right. He already did die for me. And another reason it wouldn't work if I died for you is because I'm a sinner. As much as I love you, what my death would not accomplish anything on your behalf. I'm helpless to do anything for you. The most, As much as I love all my children, the thing that they need most I cannot provide. But I can point them. I can point them to, to the one who can provide it. And you can too. And your grandchildren and your friends... You can't provide it, but God has in His Son, Jesus. What is it that Mary was talking about, how God had helped Israel? God had helped Israel in just what I was talking to Lydia about. Israel's greatest need was for a substitute, someone to take the place of their sins, for their punishment of their sins. And that had been provided for Israel, for all those who fear the Lord, not just for Israel, but for Gentiles as well. And that's what God had done in the Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, the mercy that God promises is not contingent upon man's perfect fearing. He says, I'll always be merciful to those that fear me. It's not contingent upon perfectly fearing God, because none of us do, but rather solely upon His mercy towards us in Jesus Christ. So here's the last question. Your soul's going to magnify God when you're assured of God's mercy. Now just think about that for a moment. My soul's going to magnify God when I'm in awe of God's grace. I'm going, to, I'm going to magnify God. And my soul is going to magnify God when I'm assured of God's mercy. If I'm uncertain about it, if I'm not sure He's going to be merciful to me, then everything's going to be inward focused. But if I'm assured of God's mercy, I'm going to magnify Him. Now, when do I feel assured of God's mercy? Sometimes when a brother or sister comes up to me and says, Pastor Steve, just appreciate you, or, or brother, I appreciate what God's doing in your life, or this or that, and point out evidences of grace. You know how it is when someone encourages you in the Lord? It, it, it helps remind you, well, other people are seeing God at work in me. Maybe, I'm, maybe I am saved after all. You ever have that thought? Or you actually observe your own life and you look at your life and you can see how you've grown in grace and you see fruit in your life and, and you say, okay, I, I can see evidence of grace. It, it seems as if I'm a true believer. So I, believers are assured of God's mercy. But what about when I'm not feeling it? What about when nobody's pointing out the evidences of grace? What about when I'm really struggling and battling with sin and temptations? How am I assured of God's mercy? Look at verse 45. Verse 45, Mary said, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. How is it that we're assured of God's mercy? What's the bedrock foundation? It's what God has said. The reason Mary praises God, she's assured of God's mercy is not looking inward, it's looking at what God's Word says. And that's really what it comes back down to, folks. If you want to magnify God, you'll do so when you're assured of God's mercy. And you can be assured of God's mercy at all times based on what God has said in His Word, what God has promised in His Word. Let me read this passage of Scripture, and I'll be done in just a moment. Maybe. Ephesians chapter 2. 
It's passages of Scripture like this that remind us of God's mercy and lead us, and should lead us to magnify God. Ephesians chapter 2, familiar passage of Scripture to many of us. and It says this in verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love of which He loved us, even when we were dead, dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Because of His great mercy. That's it. And raised us up with Him. That's not all. Raised us up with Him. Didn't just make us alive, but raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it's not just He raised us up and brought us back to spiritual life and left the rest of it in our hands. He brings it to completion. He's already set us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He did that. So that, look at verse 7, listen to it. So that, here's the reason he does it. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that throughout eternity, we would be trophies of grace. He would be glorified through all eternity for what he has done. It's because of his kindness in Christ Jesus that we are Seated with Him, we are saved. Verse 8, For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Nobody can brag about it. So, what I want to share with you, beloved, is since it's God's mercy towards us and Mary's Son, Jesus, that we're guaranteed to receive that mercy... God alone is magnified for that mercy. It's all contingent upon Jesus. Our souls magnify God because we're assured of His mercy because we go to church? No. Because we're trying to be good? No. Should we do those things? Yes. But are we assured of God's mercy because of that? They could be indications of grace, but no, that's not where our assurance lies. It lies in the fact of what God has promised in Jesus Christ. For by grace, you've been saved. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a gift that's given. It's not earned. It's not deserved. And it's not going to be taken back. Amen and hallelujah. I am assured of God's mercy. And so even when I'm not feeling it, and I'm really battling sin in my life, or whatever might be going on, my assurance is not based on how I feel, or what I do. It's based on what He said. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer this morning? your head is bowed and your eyes are closed it may be that you're here today and and maybe your your soul has never came to the point in your life when you have understood that that you needed the forgiveness that's available through Jesus Christ and your soul is not able to magnify or maybe because of sin in your life right now you're not able to magnify the Lord and you're confused and I just want to urge you and plead with you right now this morning to call upon the name of the Lord. To call on Him and say, Dear God, I'm sorry for my sins. 
I know I deserve to be punished for it, but I believe, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross, and I want to put all my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to turn from my sin, and I want to receive your mercy, and I want to be your child. What I want to say to you is if that's the desire of your heart, then call out to him that way right now. When this, during this time of invitation when we're singing this song or after the service is over, uh, I'd love to talk with you about how God may be working that in your heart right now. Any questions you have? Or maybe you just know that God's done that way and you want to share it with us this morning. We want to invite you to share it if, if God's working that way. But Father, right now, before we sing and praise you together, Lord, we want to thank you for the assurance that comes because of God's mercy. That one day we will stand in awe of God's grace. That we'll stand amazed in the presence of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus has come and brought joy to the world. But we thank you that he's coming again to bring joy everlasting and a new heavens and new earth to his people. Work that in our hearts this morning afresh so that we might magnify you. Work it in the hearts of those who've never never seen it and tasted it before. Oh, that they might taste and see that the Lord is good. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning together and let's sing this hymn together. You come if God's speaking this morning and you want to pray or share anything at all, you come. What is the gospel? It all begins with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the first man, Adam, and the first woman, Eve, to rule over the garden. God told them they could eat from any tree that they wanted to in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything was perfect in the garden. They had a perfect relationship with the land, a perfect relationship with each other, a perfect relationship with God until they chose to rebel against God and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it brought about separation between them and God. Man has always tried to bridge the separation on his own terms and in his own strength. Whether it's building a ladder of morality and trying to be good enough for God, or even in the Old Testament example, when men built a tower into the heavens trying to reach God on their own. A more contemporary example comes from 1961, when the Russians were first successful in sending a man into outer space. Upon returning, the Russian cosmonaut remarked, We have been to space, and we didn't find God or heaven there. A popular professor and author, C.S. Lewis, responded to the Russian cosmonaut. He said that looking for God in outer space is kind of like Hamlet, one of the characters in Shakespeare's plays, looking for Shakespeare in the attic of his home. Lewis said that for Hamlet to have a relationship with Shakespeare, Shakespeare would literally have to write himself into the story. That is the gospel. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that Jesus, in fulfillment to Old Testament prophecies, was born of a virgin. Even as a child, he lived a perfect life. 
At the age of 30, he began his public ministry. He attracted followers. For three years, he taught, he healed, and he made bold claims, such as saying that he alone was the only way to God. The religious and political leaders did not like these teachings. They invoked a riot against Jesus. They brought about false accusations leading to a trial and to a sentencing of death by public crucifixion. The Bible says that while Jesus hung on the cross, that God placed all of the sin of all of mankind on Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross as our substitute. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. They took Jesus down from the cross and they put him in a tomb. They rolled a large stone at the entrance of the tomb so no one could get in or out. There were Roman soldiers who were posted on guard to keep people from coming to take Jesus's body. But on the third day, according to scripture, he rose again. After being seen by many eyewitnesses and giving instruction to his followers, he ascended back into the heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God and serves as our advocate before the Father. So what does this have to do with you? The Bible says that we have all sinned and that we all fall short of God's standard of holiness. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no way to get rid of the burden of sin on our own. God calls all men everywhere to believe in Christ, repent of sins, and trust Christ to live a new life. As we look back and believe in what God has done through the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, as we repent and turn from our sins, as we trust Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we have peace with God and the forgiveness of sins. So let's review. It all begins with God. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. The gospel is the account of God writing himself into human history. Jesus died in our place for our sins and rose again on the third day. As we believe in Christ, repent from our sins, and trust Jesus for new life, we have peace with God and forgiveness of sins. That is the gospel. 